let us go to Bethlehem. That's what those shepherds said to each other after the angels left them. You know what? That was the best decision of their lives. Let us go. Now, of course, if a multitude of angels had just come and announced the birth of Jesus to me, I'd like to think I'd make that same good decision, wouldn't you? Let us go to Bethlehem. I suppose that Joseph may have said something like that to Mary. You see, there was this legal matter. It required attention, a census. Everyone had to go to the town of their family origins. And in Joseph's case, that meant Bethlehem, the city of David, because that was the family of his origin. We read about that, Luke chapter 2, verse 4, David the city of David, Joseph, had to go because he was of that house and lineage. Seventy miles south to get to Bethlehem. You don't want to make a 70-mile trip when you're very pregnant. And Mary was quite pregnant, but not following the empire's orders could result in trouble. So I kind of picture again that Joseph and Mary probably looked at each other and with a sigh and resign kind of said, let us go to Bethlehem. Let's go to Bethlehem, specifically. Let's go to an inn in Bethlehem. You know, that inn in Luke chapter 2 where there was no room for Joseph and Mary, an inn. That word can mean one of a couple of things. It can mean a simple lodging hall for public use, not quite a hotel, or it can mean the guest house of a large residence. That's the same word, by the way, that's used for the upper room. When Jesus said to his disciples, prepare the upper room for the Last Supper, an inn. So most likely, Mary and Joseph couldn't stay in that guest room, in the main room of a relatives or friends house because it was already taken and instead they would have to stay in the more outer quarters a little less accommodating but you know what none of this was the Hilton to start with and those quarters were likely a kind of elevated platform overseeing the place where animals would be kept yes indoors aren't you glad you live when you do now and that was normal so yes, it was more of a stable, and that's where that idea comes from. Only we know at this time, the shepherds had their sheep out in the hills, right? So it was probably cleaner than usual. That would also explain why the nearest baby bed would have been an animal feeding trough. There's a picture of an actual one from the first century a manger. So there's your inn in Bethlehem. And by the way, yes, it will hold a baby. Someone else was occupying that other place to stay. And so there was no room, as the old song goes. Someone made a decision. When it came time to decide what to do about this woman going into labor, when it came time for this baby to be born, when it came time to decide what to do about Jesus, there was no room for him. 
No room at the inn of Bethlehem. We already know about that inn, right? You've heard the story, right? In fact, we probably know more about that inn than what really happened. Been a lot of stories. Let us go to Bethlehem. I want to look at another Bethlehem story this morning. And it's in the book of Jeremiah. If you want to open up your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 41, we're going to walk around in a text there. This is some 580 years before Jesus was born. It is a dark time in Judea. The nation at this point in the book of Jeremiah has been overpowered by Babylon. Some of the people were allowed to return to Judea, but they have lived there as aliens in their own land. They are living there under occupation. Think of France during World War II under the Nazis. And there's a Babylonian governor. There is rebellion, deceit, murder, insurrection. When the Babylonian governor is murdered, the people of Mizpah, who are innocent bystanders, they know how things go, and they're afraid they're all going to have to pay for it when word gets back to the king of Babylon. So a group of them, with a man named Johanan leading them, prepare to run away, 400 miles away to the land of Egypt. What is it about Israel always wanting to run back to Egypt? says there in Jeremiah chapter 41, verse 17, that this group of terrified people traveled to Gareth Kimham, the lodging place, or here's the word, the inn of Kimham near Bethlehem. They're intending to go to Egypt, but they stop at this inn near Bethlehem. Jeremiah chapter 42 starting in verse 1. Then all the commanders of the forces, and Johanan the son of Kareah, and Jezaniah the son of Hoshiah, and all the people, from the least to the greatest, came near and said to Jeremiah the prophet, Let our plea for mercy come before you, and pray to the Lord your God for us, for all this remnant, because we are left with but a few as your eyes see us, that the Lord your God may show us the way we should go and the thing that we should do. Jeremiah the prophet said to them, I have heard you. Behold, I will pray to the Lord your God according to your request, and whatever the Lord answers you, I will tell you. I will keep nothing back from you. Then they said to Jeremiah, May the Lord be a true and faithful witness against us if we do not act according to all the word with which the Lord your God sends you to us. Whether it is good or bad, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God to whom we are sending you, that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. I'm condensing a lot here, but if you were to read on in the rest of chapter 42, you will see that this story, which sounds pretty good by now, does not go well. Jeremiah comes back with a message that they shouldn't go to Egypt, that they should stay in the land of Judea and they should trust God, 
to protect them, that things will go well, that it will be better for them to stay. And they don't. They even take Jeremiah with them. They run off to Egypt, and they end up dying from the very things that they were running from. The inn near Bethlehem becomes this place to make an important decision. They made a bad decision that ended in disaster. Merry Christmas. I know some people like that. Do you? Some people who came to critical crossroads in their life, they had some decisions to make, important decisions, and they didn't turn out well. I don't want to be one of those people. So I look at a story like this and I ask myself, self, how can I not be like those people? I want us to take this story, I want us to learn from it some positive things that we should do that will help us near Bethlehem, a place of decision. Here's the first thing, that is to let the Lord direct your plans. Notice what the people of Mizpah, go back to chapter 41 there, Jeremiah, and notice what the people of Mizpah were doing when they came to Jeremiah and when they asked the Lord's direction. Chapter 41, verse 17, they went and stayed at Gareth Kimham near Bethlehem. See the words? Intending to go to Egypt. These people are on their way. They had their suntan lotion all packed. They've already made plans. They just happened to pass by Jeremiah near Bethlehem. Hey, look, there's Jeremiah, the prophet. Why don't we check in with him and get him to have God bless what we're doing? Do you see it? See a problem there? When they say they intend to do whatever the Lord says, and then they just plain don't, it's obvious they already made up their plans. I find the same thing true of some people who encounter Jesus during his days on earth. In the Gospels, we read about these kinds of people. They come to Jesus, they ask questions, they sound open, but their plans are already made, and what they're really asking is for him to fit into them. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. There's three people like that. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. What we don't read of those three people is that they went on to follow through with what Jesus said for them to do. When you come to Jesus and you begin to seek his direction for your life, prepare yourself 
Brace yourself. Be ready to hear answers that are going to adjust your plans. People who decide to look into Jesus as though he is there to confirm what they have already decided. People who come to see about making him a part of my life have brought the wrong attitude. Jesus doesn't want you to make him a part of your life. Are you listening? I've heard the phrase used more than once, someone speaking about the Jesus part of life. Using that to describe the place that Jesus has in someone's life. Let me ask you this. When did Jesus ever ask us to make him a part of what we do? Consider how backwards that sounds. That's like, that's like a raindrop inviting the ocean to come be a part of it. Jesus never said, I want to be a part of your life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am. Jesus is inviting you to come and be a part of his kingdom. He's inviting you to be a steward of his resources, to be a temple of his Holy Spirit, to have your name written in his book of life, to become an inheritor of his wealth, to find your place in his plans. You and I don't make Jesus a part of what we do. Let the Lord direct your plans. Amen? Something else I see in this story that we can take out of it and use even today, and that is to follow through with your commitment. <clears throat> These people paused at the inn near Bethlehem, and they asked Jeremiah for counsel from God. That's a good start. And in the middle of asking for it, they also committed themselves to do whatever the Lord told them to do. That's really good, isn't it? It's what they said anyway. It's good to seek counsel from God. It's good to commit ourselves to do whatever the Lord tells us to do. But the real test of our commitment doesn't come when we ask for a word from God. It comes when we receive that word. Now what? See, the real test here at the end of the year is not... Did you read through the whole Bible this year, but whether or not you read it and you were receptive to what it told you to do? Cigarette smoking is linked to about 80 or 90 percent of lung cancer deaths. It's been pretty well established. It's just bad for your lungs in particular. And of those who develop lung cancer, the most effective treatment that is carried out is a pretty radical step to remove that cancerous lung. Take it out. Here's something I learned, though. Most patients quit or attempt to quit smoking after a cancer diagnosis, but around 40% of cancer survivors who have had a lung removed continue to smoke. Now, that's a reflection on the terribly addictive nature of nicotine, at least, but it is also a reflection on our weak ability to follow through on good counsel, even if we commit beforehand to keep it 
man was walking on a, a dangerous mountain trail. He found himself behind the time he expected to be out, and it got dark on him, and he continued to stumble through the dark. Along uh, a dangerous edge, he slipped on a loose incline, and he slid down on loose gravel off the edge, and as he fell, he was reaching all over to grab anything that would stop him, and he managed to get the top of a tree that bent out, and he landed hanging on to that tree branch, dangling out over a cliff for purposes of this story. And he is desperate. And he's hanging there and he called out and he looked up and he said, is there anyone there? Anyone at all? Help, help. And a big booming voice came out of the dark and said, I am here. I will help you. Just trust me completely. And the man said, oh, Lord, thank you, thank you. I'll do whatever you ask of me. And the voice said, good. Now let go of the branch. And there was a pause. And the man said, is there anybody else up there? Anybody who has thrown in with Jesus, anybody who has made a commitment like that, who has accepted Jesus, has made a commitment. You turned to Jesus. You promised to make him Lord of your life. You turned to him as the only way to life forever and for life that is truly abundant now. Brother, sister in Christ, Jesus is still the solution. Jesus is still God's only solution to our sin problem. There's no other way that we ask God for the help that we need except to throw in completely with him. And by the way, you who haven't accepted Jesus yet, you are making a decision today. You're either deciding to accept him and to make a commitment to him or you are deciding to remain committed to living life apart from him. Either way, you are making a decision today. And the outcome of that decision will affect your eternity for good or for bad. Make a good decision. Make a good decision today. Here's a third positive thing that we can do from this story this morning, and that is to put your trust in the hands of the one who deserves to be trusted. If you can read on, and you can, I encourage you today to read on through Jeremiah, right on through Jeremiah chapter 44, you'll see how this group of people who made the bad decision have gone down now to Egypt. They're pretty clear about what it is they're counting on to find their help. They didn't trust that God would protect them if they had stayed in Judea. And now, down in Egypt, they talk about the way things seemed to work out okay when they worshipped other gods instead of God. So that's what they're going to do, they've decided. Chapter 44, verse 17. But we will do everything that we have vowed. They're not talking about their vows to God. Make offerings to the queen of heaven. 
and pour out drink offerings to her as we did, both we and our fathers, our kings and our officials in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. For then we had plenty of food and prospered and saw no disaster. Wow, our memories are amazing things, aren't they? These were people who still hadn't learned the lessons that God had been trying to teach them. Their blinded eyes kept them from seeing how God had punished them for placing their trust in other gods that are no gods at all. The writer of Hebrews says, Without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. People of Israel forgot. Maybe that's why the Lord has us gather together every week. You ever think about that? Every week. That's kind of frequent, isn't it? We forget like a nation of people who are brought out of Egypt, who passed through the Dead Sea or the Red Sea on dry land, who were fed bread from heaven, who were given water from a rock, who walked around the walls of Jericho and they fell down, who passed through the Jordan River on dry land and then turns around and looks for help from false gods instead of the God who deserves to be trusted we forget. Try to rely on our own strength. We turn to stuff for satisfaction. We worry instead of turning our anxiety over to God. We look to things that have let us down in the past, even though the Lord never has. You and I need daily to remake the decision to trust the one that we say we trust. If you've never considered trusting Jesus with your forever, I wonder this morning, who are you trusting? Who else is going to assure you of life beyond this life? Who else, what else, is going to promise never to leave you or forsake you and keep that promise? Who is it? In Jeremiah's day, there was an inn near Bethlehem. And a group of people there were faced with a decision. Would they listen to God's direction? Would they make room for his rule in their lives? Would they trust his way, even though it didn't make sense to them? They made a bad decision. And they took the more difficult road and they ended up dying by the very things from which they were running. Hundreds of years later, there was an inn in Bethlehem. Someone made decisions there. Someone decided not to make room for the young couple seeking shelter, not to give a decent place for a baby to be born. Someone decided not to make room for Jesus. And I wonder if that someone or those someones, in hindsight, if they would do it differently. 
simple shepherds would be honored to see the baby boy. Today, December 12th, 2021, the Inn of Bethlehem is as much a place for decisions as ever before. And the whole world is called to focus on that place and to make decisions. And that's why these weeks we have been saying, let us go to Bethlehem. Seems like the whole world still sets up and lights up a nativity scene. And you look at those scenes and there's that manger outside the inn, place of decision. People just need to be reminded that there is something to do about that besides feel warm and nostalgic. People still must decide what they will do about the baby born in that city. Will you decide today? You must. You must. And what you decide will have a lifelong, eternal impact. Will you let him direct your plans? Will you follow through with a commitment to him? Will you place your trust in his trustworthy hands? Or will you decide to treat him as if your plans are more important? Will you treat him and a commitment to him like it really doesn't matter? Will you continue to place your trust in things that in the past have let you down and they're going to let you down again? Or will you come to the place of decision and say, Jesus will be Lord in my life. I'll follow him and I'll follow through. Let us go to Bethlehem. Let us make a decision. And this morning, let's make a decision. If you've never accepted Jesus as Lord of your life, we're encouraging you to make that choice today. Maybe you need to learn what that means. Some of you here today listening have heard it over and over. You already know. So whether you need just to put aside the things that you've used as excuses and make that choice today, or you need to hear some more and learn some more, make a decision. Step forward. I'm going to ask you please to stand up with me. We're going to pray together and we're going to make this a time for decision making. If you've already accepted Jesus as Lord of your life, then you and I together here are standing before the Lord to reaffirm that we are going to follow through with what we have said we will do. And if you haven't made that choice yet, this is a time to say, Lord, I'm ready. I want to make that decision. And I'm going to ask you, if that's you, to come talk to me about your relationship with the Lord. Let us help you by showing you in God's Word how to become a follower of Jesus Christ. If you're online and you're wondering, how do I do that? cccrockford.org slash connect. We'll get in touch with you right away. And we'll begin this conversation. We'll begin to help you to see how to become a follower of Jesus, how to make this decision. To be his. Let's pray together.
Father, we find ourselves this morning <clears throat> in different places even, some joining us online, some of us here gathered together in this place. But our attention drawn to a place that we have never even physically seen, uh, a place far from here geographically, but the fact that it is a place for making decisions, Lord, is very close to every one of us. So I pray today that we'll not find it easy to detach ourselves from the idea that we come near this place in Bethlehem, that we are called upon to make decisions. Some of us, Lord, needing to make a decision to, to set aside the world and to say, I'm going to follow you. And I pray today that that kind of a decision will be made. Some of us, Father, who look at the faltering of those who have said they would follow you, but they stepped aside, and we can relate to that. So today, help us to reaffirm our commitment, our promise to trust you and to follow your ways. Lord, work on our hearts. Let your word do its work now. We pray in Jesus' name.